Over the course of your life, how much time do you think you've invested in trying to hide your sin? You've tried to keep the things that you've done wrong hidden. Well, as much as we might wish otherwise, we can't escape responsibility for our sins. Denials and blame shifting do no good. God knows our every thought, attitude, and action. And our responsibility is to accept responsibility, turn away from sin, and turn to the Lord. It wasn't long after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden that a game began. We we could call it the blame game. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed Satan. Adam effectively blamed God. Let me tell you, the human race has been playing this game ever since, and we're, we're pretty good at it. We can blame our past, our parents, uh, the neighborhood where we grew up, our education or the lack thereof, our, our leaders. Pastors can even play the blame game as well. I remember someone uh, once wrote, if the congregation is sleeping, wake up the pastor. Well, I don't know about that. It can't be his fault. <laughs> well, as we arrive today at Ezekiel chapter 18, the exiles are passing blame. They're not learning anything from history. Through a series of prophecies uh, given to Ezekiel, God has something to say about this, and the exiles can't miss the point. Each prophecy is introduced by these words, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, this first prophecy is nothing less than a call to stop playing the blame game and start taking personal responsibility. God asks them a question here in verse 2. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? Now, here's the proverb. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, they're accusing God of punishing them for their father's sins. Our fathers ate sour grapes, and now our teeth are set on edge because of it. In other words, our condition is their fault. Now, children can certainly suffer from the effects of their parents' sins, but God doesn't punish innocent people because of the sins of their ancestors. And that that point is going to be reiterated throughout chapter 18 by a series of illustrations. For example, if a righteous man follows God and his son rejects God, well, that son will be judged for his sins. Likewise, the son of an ungodly father who follows the Lord won't be held accountable for his father's sinful actions. Verse 20 here spells that out. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. Well, I think that's clear enough, isn't it? Everyone is personally responsible before God, and that's true to this very day. You know, I've talked to people over my years of ministry who think they're going to heaven because their grandfather was a preacher, or their grandmother was a godly woman. Listen, my friend, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You can't earn credit because of your grandparents' church attendance or because you've got some godly member in your family. And by the same token, you're not going to be penalized because of the sins of ungodly family members either. God is perfectly just. 
And Ezekiel is telling the people here that if they're suffering judgment from God, it's because of their own sins. There's no one else to blame. Well, now here in chapter 19, this principle of divine justice for the Jewish leadership is now the focus. The Lord delivers a rather sad poem of a lion and its two cubs. Verse 4 tells us that one little cub was caught in their pit, that trap, and they, they brought him with hooks to the land of Egypt. Well, this cub represents King Jehoahaz, who was captured and taken to Egypt. Now, the second cub, verse 8 tells us, was captured when they spread their net over him. They put him in a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. Now, this cub obviously represents King Jehoiachin. He was the grandson, by the way, the godly King Josiah. But that godly heritage, his godly granddaddy, didn't save him from suffering for his own personal defiance of God. And he was taken, like that little cub, as a captive to the land of Babylon. Now, the final portion of this poem here in chapter 19 is a picture of the current king of Judah. That's King Zedekiah. He's pictured here as a branch on a vine that's been uprooted and transplanted. Verse 13 says, in a dry and thirsty land. Now, this is a reference to his future captivity in Babylon. You know, maybe you can testify from your, your own experience that when you're in rebellion against God, you're in that dry and thirsty land. Well, now, chapter 20 carries the theme of responsibility now to a, a national level. Ezekiel delivers a prophecy that you could, uh, you could title The History of Israel 101. This is a course in Israel's history. This is a lesson that's going to take us all the way back to their captivity under Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. Although they were the descendants of godly Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, although they were divinely protected in Egypt through Joseph, you remember how they turned away from the Lord. Still, the Lord eventually delivered them from Egyptian slavery. And the Lord says to them here in verse 10, So I led them. You remember? He's saying, I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules. In other words, God gave them his law. However, they rebelled against God in the wilderness. They turned to idols. And that entire generation, you remember, died there in the wilderness. Yet God was gracious to the nation. He reminds them here in verse 17, Nevertheless, my eye spared them, and I did not destroy them or make a full end of them in the wilderness. Well, in this history lesson, the Lord reminds them how he urged the next generation of Israelites to follow his law, but they also disobeyed him, and God judged them then as well. See, here's the point. They were judged not for the sins of their fathers, but for their own rebellion. And then again, in his grace and for his own namesake, God did not destroy the nation completely. Now, these same sins of disobedience and idolatry followed Israel into the promised land. And in fact, the current generation is following the same pattern. But here's the good news. Any generation, in fact, any individual can break that cycle 
of rebellion by choosing to follow the Lord. No son or daughter has to rebel against God just because their father did. You know, I might be speaking today to somebody who had grandparents or parents who rejected God, but you've chosen to follow God. Well, God through Ezekiel pictures a coming day when the entire nation is going to break that cycle and follow the Messiah. Verse 41 tells us here of that future day, I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Again, this is a this is a glimpse into Israel's future glory when Jesus Christ the Messiah returns to earth and reigns in his kingdom. Well, Ezekiel here has prophesied concerning the responsibility of the people, uh, the leadership, expanded it to the entire nation as a whole. There's no need to play the blame game. They're all responsible for their defiance against the Lord. Now, here in chapter 20, you have a quick series of prophecies that deliver the sad results of their rebellion. Uh, the first is a picture of a, of a coming forest fire. Verse 47 says, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree in you and every dry tree. The blazing flame shall not be quenched. Well, of course, this picture is Jerusalem. Uh, she'll eventually be burned to the ground by the armies of the empire of Babylon. Then here in chapter 21, there's a picture in verse 11 of a sword that is sharpened and polished and to be given into the hand of the slayer. Well, this slaying warrior is the king of Babylon. Let me tell you, beloved, God always deals with sin and sinners, again, in a just manner. They deserve it. God reflects his holy character, whether, whether the sin involves individuals or leaders or nations. Listen, the worst thing you can do is play the blame game to find someone or something to serve as your excuse for your own sin. Now listen, the best thing you could ever do is admit your sin and throw yourself on the mercy of God. See, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Get out of that, that dry and thirsty land of disobedience and move back into the green pastures where the Lord is your faithful shepherd and you faithfully follow him. Well, with that, we're out of time, beloved. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called today's lesson, Playing the Blame Game. It came from Ezekiel 18 through 21. We'll continue through Ezekiel and all of God's word in the days ahead. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to install the Wisdom International app to your phone or tablet. You can listen each day to this wisdom journey and Stephen's other daily program, Wisdom for the Heart. 
You can access the library for Stephen's 36 years of Bible teaching and more. The Wisdom International app is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Install it today, then join us next time as we continue the wisdom journey. 